0: Welcome Home by Annie Rinaldi Bianca and her mother drove down the same winding road that she had spent hours wandering when she was too young to understand how big the world was. Wind drifted in through the open windows and lifted her mud-colored hair off the back of her neck. She tapped a hand against her leg and searched for something to say that wouldn't be too much or too little. Oh honey, your hands! Have you not been moisturizing enough lately? Her mother asked, breathing out a little huff of concern. Before Bianca could respond, she reached over and pulled open the glove compartment. There should be a little tub of Nivea lotion somewhere in there. Hurry, though, I think those hands are getting drier by the second. You'll have to save them. Bianca couldn't help but grin at her mom's attempt at cheering her up. Both of them knew that her heart wouldn't piece itself back together so easily. Not after the loss of her favorite teacher, but it was kind of her to try. She did as her mother said, pushing past the stray J Crew coupons and cherry cough drops and ballpoint pens until she resurfaced, triumphant with the lotion. She massaged it into her skin and gave her mom's hand a quick squeeze. Thanks, mom, was all she could manage. They should have been deep in conversation by now. It should have been just like old times now that she was back in the place where she had grown up, laughter in the air and secrets being shared. Why wasn't everything back to normal? Would this worry ever go away? When would she be able to talk to her mother about something that mattered without freezing up and feeling sick to her stomach? Of course, just because you think you're so grown up now doesn't mean I'm not going to take care of you. She shifted the car back into drive and fiddled with the radio. She seemed to pass through every station before at last settling on some 70s music. And Bianca couldn't lie, it was kind of nice to drive through the shock of autumn colors and listen to Elton John with her mom. She was a little kid all over again, face pressed to the glass as she watched her world fly by. Only she wasn't. She was 24 now and aching to show her mother the full picture of herself, not just the outline. The two of them were back home before Bianca could find anything to say. She trailed close behind her mother as they headed inside, holding her breath as if a single puff of air would turn the whole place to dust. The same family photos dotted the walls Bianca's mother and father rosy cheeked and beaming at their wedding ceremony, Bianca's toddler face pigtailed and smeared with glitter. Bianca had seen her prom in an almost painfully pink dress with her arm around a friend she hadn't seen in years. Charlie, Jesus fucking Christ. She raised a hand to her mouth to stifle her laughter, but it was too late. Her mother was already back by her side and Bianca didn't know how to explain why she was laughing so hard at something so commonplace in her childhood home without making her mom furrow her brows and take a seat and put her head in her hands the way she always did. Bianca, honey, what's wrong? Her lips were drawn together, eyes wide, and searching for something to fix. She needed to explain. She knew she couldn't keep everything inside much longer. If she lied to herself and everyone she loved and said that she was fine any longer, she thought she might burst. But, staring at her mother's face, she realized with a start that now wasn't the time to spill open and tell her mother everything. There was a time to address the knot of anxiety in her stomach that never unfurled itself. There was a time to come out. There was a time, and that time was not now. Right now, all her mother saw in her was grief, and that was the only pain she felt even remotely comfortable dealing with at this moment. She didn't say a word, but something must have been off in her features, because her mother stepped forward and wrapped her arms around her before she could get a word out. I know you and Charlie loved Mr. Whitby. Saying that they loved Mr. Whitby was an understatement. They had idolized him ever since they showed up in his freshman year English class at their all-too-conservative Catholic school and he gave a whole PowerPoint presentation on why Emily Dickinson was most likely gay, flouting the school's traditional attitudes about anything even remotely queer. After that class, it was like a weight had been lifted off their shoulders, and the shoulders of every other gay or trans kid in their class. In their theology classes, they had to hold their breath every time their teacher mentioned marriage, for even a brief mention of it would be followed by, which is of course only between a man and a woman in the eyes of God, despite what the Supreme Court says. But in Sixth Period Lit with Mr. Whitby, guys could mention their boyfriends without him batting an eye. It was nice. She missed it. She missed him. I wish there was something I could do to help you. Her mom pulled back from the embrace and smoothed a hand over her daughter's dark curls, snapping Bianca out of her wistful state. I hate seeing you this way, sweetheart. Bianca swallowed back the lump in her throat and forced herself to focus on anything but her emotions. Not just her sorrow, but all of it all of the feelings she kept locked away in the darkest recesses of her mind, to surface only when she was alone. She breathed in the cranberry scent of the candle her mother was burning in the kitchen and the lavender notes of her mother's favorite perfume. An idea sprung into her mind and she broke away from the embrace. Could we maybe do breakfast for dinner later tonight? The food at my office is kind of horrible and I miss cooking with you. She did, but she also needed to get some fresh air and biking to the grocery store was a perfect excuse to get out of the house. Her mother nodded, relief evident on her face. Of course, honey. Do you want to unpack your things first? She didn't want to. She wanted to jump on her bike and speed down the street and let herself feel and feel and feel without having to think about how the people she loved would understand her feelings. Still, she nodded and followed her mother up to her childhood bedroom, because, after all, she loved her mom. Sure, maybe they didn't get each other sometimes, but This was the woman who had held her close when she cried over being teased about her frizzy hair. This was the woman who had come to every single one of her parent-teacher conferences, from preschool to senior year, and beamed with pride at the glowing reports from teacher after teacher. This was the woman who she knew would love her even if she told her everything. She might not understand her, but she would love her still. Her bedroom was unchanged from the last time she had slept here. Posters of all her favorite musicians, Joanna Newsome and Father John Misty and Fiona Apple, covered the walls. Her bed was impeccably made and her favorite books filled the shelves. It was wonderful, and she felt nothing as she stared at it. As she unzipped her stuffed suitcase and returned sweaters and jeans and dresses to their homes and closets and drawers, she didn't dare speak. The air was choked with silence and she was choked with worry. Her mother seemed not to notice any of what she felt beyond the expected grief humming a Fleetwood Mac song under her breath and helping her unpack. Just when Bianca thought they were done, though, her mom turned to her and asked, "'How's everything? I feel like we never really talk. Why don't you tell me about how your week's been going before you head to the grocery store?' She tucked the suitcase away in the corner and patted the spot beside her on the bed. "'Sit. Let's talk. Really talk.' Bianca sat and she talked as her mother had requested, but she didn't really talk. As much as she wanted to tell her everything, she had inherited a wealth of worry from her mom, and she knew that laying herself bare before her would only upset both of them. She would open up to her soon, though. Well, maybe not soon, but someday. It had to happen someday, but that day wasn't today, so for now, she just said, Uh, work is fine. Stressful, but at least I actually have a publishing job. A bunch of the people in my program are still working retail. That was true, at least. Her assistant position at Simon & Schuster left her drained and shaky at the end of each day, but at least it was something she cared about. And I've been going on some dates. They've been decent. Also true. Her mom didn't need to know they were with women as well as men, but she had been out with a few people in the past months. Nothing had come of any of them, but she wasn't too upset about that. Honestly, she wasn't in the state for a real relationship right now. Her mom gave her a smile and it was so much like Bianca's own, slow and steady but warm as an embrace that she couldn't help but return it with one of her own. Her mom reached out and enveloped her in a hug. She pressed her head against her shoulder and took a few deep breaths in an attempt to keep herself steady. In. Out. In. Out. She was fine. Or at least she was going to be fine. You're doing so well, sweetie. Let me know if you ever need anything, okay? Her mom pulled away and looked long and hard at her, and for a moment, Bianca thought that she might see past all the excuses and realize how her daughter was struggling to keep herself afloat. She didn't, though. She couldn't. And maybe that was Bianca's fault for not being open enough with her. Or maybe it was her mom's fault for not understanding her better. Or maybe it was both of their faults. Or maybe it was nobody's fault. Bianca didn't know, but at least she was trying to be somewhat honest, and at least her mom was trying to help her out. She should have said something more, but there were groceries to buy and dinner to cook, so she was off on the bike she hadn't ridden in years after about 20 minutes of her mother fussing over her and tucking a neon pink bicycle helmet over her hair and seeing her off as if she was a middle schooler all over again. The trip there was overcast, but otherwise uneventful. Bianca wandered the grocery store in a daze once she had arrived, tossing frozen waffles and pancake mix and plastic-wrapped sausages into her cart until it was almost overflowing with things she didn't need and didn't really want. She stopped in the freezer aisle and threw the doors open, hoping that the sudden shock of icy air would wake her up and prepare her to deal with all the feelings that she had avoided for the past few weeks, months, years. It didn't, of course. It was just cold. She was about to hightail it towards the register and get the hell out of this grocery store, when she saw him out of the corner of her eye, bathed in fluorescent light, and holding his phone between his freckled jaw and sweatered shoulder. She swiveled around and gaped at him. Charlie? His name felt foreign on her lips. Something like remembrance flashed in his eyes and he said into his phone, Sorry dad, can I call you back in a few? He paused, looking towards Bianca all the while. Sure I can. Love you too. Bye. The first words out of Charlie's mouth when he reached her were, Your hair isn't blue anymore. And she bit back a laugh, one that came out of real amusement this time around. Good job stating the obvious, she shot back, an exasperated note slipping into her voice despite her best efforts. Wincing at her bluntness, she reached out to give his shoulder a comforting squeeze, then thought better of it and shoved her hands under her arms. Sorry, that came out wrong. It's been a weird day. How are you? How's life going for you? God, could she get any worse? She knew Charlie. She knew him pretty damn well. Knew the crooked curve of his smile and the glimmer he got in his eye when he talked about his favorite books. So, why was she acting like he was a stranger? Sure, they hadn't really hung out since they headed off to college on opposite ends of the country and got busy with internships and summer jobs, but she still knew him. Or at least she hoped she did. She pressed her fingers to her temples and took a few deep breaths to reorient herself, hoping that the deluge of thoughts would subside. Wow, I I sound like my mom. I just. Wow. I didn't realize you were coming back to town for Mr. Whitby's funeral. Of course I came back. His initial reaction fell away and left underneath the veneer of surprise was the remnants of the boy she once knew. He had traded in the band tees and ripped jeans for slacks and sweaters, but he still held himself the same, shoulders squared as if he was confident and ready for battle, but hands worrying at any distraction they could find. I could never miss his, you know. He balled up the sleeves of his oatmeal sweater in his hands and forced himself to finish his sentence. I knew you wouldn't miss it either, but I just didn't expect to see you here of all places. The grocery store? It's not exactly some exclusive club. She leaned against the freezer door and listened to the sound of a once-familiar laugh. Her chest ached with the weight of all the things she didn't dare to speak aloud. What do you mean, though, that I wouldn't miss his funeral? She knew exactly what he was getting at, but some twisted part of her needed another person to share in her grief. Speaking it aloud turned it into a tangible thing something that Bianca understood far too well from a lifetime of getting her words caught in her throat. His long fingers worked through a knot in his hair. He always cared about his class more than anyone. Well, you and me did. He probably should have gotten tired of us after all the times we showed up at his office after class, asking him a million questions about, like, homoeroticism and The Great Gatsby or something, and asking for more book suggestions, but he didn't. He was... He was so damn nice. He dropped his hands down into his pockets and tried out a smile, but he couldn't summon the expression to his face. I don't know, it it was a good time. He was a good guy. Yeah, it was. He was. There she went again, saying next to nothing when she should have said more. She heaved a sigh and dared to check the contents of her cart one more time, as if they could have magically lessened in the five minutes that she was talking to Charlie. Too much. It was too much. Uh, I should probably be going. I guess I'll see you around. It's pouring, Come with me. Sorry? I know you biked here. I saw you. Jesus Christ. Serial killer much? She couldn't help but bite back a smile as that familiar flush spread over his cheeks. That's not how I meant it. You haven't gotten a new bike helmet since we were teenagers, and neon pink is a pretty recognizable color. Shut up. Um, you, you wouldn't mind driving me home, though? Seriously? Uh, You live five minutes away, so no. You're the worst. Oh, so glad to see you missed me, he shot back, note of playful sharpness in his voice, and they both laughed harder than they should have and bought their things and stepped out into the evening drizzle. It was lovely to stand underneath the cloud-covered sky and trade jokes like old times, even though it couldn't last. She knew it wouldn't last, but what was so wrong with enjoying this moment? With their groceries loaded into the trunk of Charlie's dad's trusty Subaru and Bianca's bike strapped to the back of the car, they took off into the night. The lump in Bianca's throat grew stronger the less they talked, but she didn't want to be the one to broach the subject of Mr. Whitby, or honestly anything important. She wished that some inspiring heart-to-heart could spring into existence and fill both of them with relief without either of them having to get cut on the thorns of their own sorrow in the process. Bianca. Charlie slowed to a stop in front of her house and met her gaze for the first time since leaving the grocery store. Do you want to talk about Mr. Whitby? We're talking right now, aren't we? Neither of them could stomach a laugh, and a hush fell back over the car for another few seconds or minutes or hours as Bianca watched the television flicker dimly through the window of a house whose inhabitants she didn't know. Don't try to deflect, Bianca. You know what I mean, he said. And though his voice was a mere whisper, his words lodged themselves in her heart. He was right. She knew he was right. But she would break if she said anything. Before she could get out a word, he continued Because I'm not doing well. Like, At all. And you're the only one here who gets it. I mean, I know other people cared about his class, but we fucking idolized him. Don't tell me you don't remember how long we spent in his office every day. Honestly, that man was basically my therapist before I realized that I needed an actual therapist. He was the only adult at that school who didn't make me feel like a freak for not being a tough guy or whatever. He laughed, but it rang hollow after everything he had just said and Bianca dug her fingernails into the tender skin of her palms so that she wouldn't fall apart. She remembered exactly what Charlie was talking about. Even in sophomore and junior year, when they'd both had other teachers for English, they had trailed Mr. Whitby through the halls like little ducklings, asking him question after question about anything they could think up. He was always patient with them, and good. So damn good. Tons of the other teachers at their high school had been nice enough people, but Mr. Whitby was unfailingly decent. Something Bianca and Charlie had realized, even as teenagers. I, yeah, I I know, she got out, cringing at the way her voice cracked on the last word. Do you remember when we asked him why he was so nice? That was a good time. Charlie laughed, a pain sound, but not an entirely false one. God, yeah, I'm nice because I believe in every single one of you. That dude was a fucking saint. He was. She had met very few people who were even half as incredible as Mr. Whitby. It wasn't that the other people in her life were terrible. It was just that Mr. Whitby set the standard high. When she and Charlie had both come out to him in senior year, one right after the other, he hadn't wasted time with any of the cheesy cliches that other adults tossed the way of kids like them. He didn't say, oh, I knew all along, or worse, it's just a phase. He looked into their eyes and told them with an oh-so-earnest sound to his voice how damn proud he was of them and how incredible they both were. All these years later, Bianca still thought of that moment every so often when she laid in bed at night after a long day. She wondered if that memory was stuck inside Charlie's mind like it was hers. She thought to ask him about it, but they had both opened themselves up far more than either probably wanted in these past few minutes. Now wasn't the time. Perhaps there would be one later, but now she had to gather her things and dash through the rain towards her house. I should go, she said at last. I'll see you tomorrow. She moved for the door. Her heart didn't know whether to leap with joy or hide away in fear. She had talked to him, actually talked to him about shit that mattered, but it made every part of her ache and she had no idea how to deal with that without breaking down. Okay, if that's what you need. Do you still have my phone number? She nodded and he opened his mouth to say more, but she couldn't listen. Not to him or herself or anyone. She couldn't leave him behind without a word though, so before she grabbed her bike and her groceries, She threw her arms around him and said into the crook of his neck, Thanks for listening. It was really nice to see you. God, she missed hanging out with him so much. They had gotten together a few times since graduating high school, but it had been in a group of old acquaintances, and though nice people and easy to get along with, the other people in that group had never gotten Bianca quite like Charlie did. Still, once the group drifted apart, so did the two of them. It didn't make sense, especially considering how well they fit together when they were together. She should have paused for a minute to look at Charlie, really look at him, but she couldn't bring herself to glance at the years of lost time reflected on that freckled face, so instead she pulled back from that hug and got her things together and locked herself away inside the little blue house before he could say another word.